Taped from somewhere at Progressive Field, it is the Selby's Godcast. Wait, I thought we're live. We're in, I mean, you and I are live. Zach Meisel, TJ Zuppi. I'm TJ Zuppi. He's Zach Meisel. We've gotten that straightened out since the last time we did this podcast. But I can't say we're live somewhere because no one's actually listening to this live. So we're taped in a room at Progressive Field. But it is like our room. It has become our room. Do you get the sense that people look at this room now as our room? Yeah, because there were people in here whose room it actually belongs to <laughs> when we walked in. And when they saw us walk in, they left and they apologized. Yeah, they hit us with the, the Ohio, oops, sorry, oops, sorry, oops, sorry, we'll be right out of here, oops, sorry. I hate that I never noticed how often I said that until people started pointing it out just on Twitter or social media. Do you get upset with yourself every time you say it? Well, no, I, I embrace it more now. So you just double down on the oh yeah. sorry. Yeah. And instead of saying, that's okay, what, what other people have noticed, people often say, in, in response to sorry, sorry, I feel like now I'm saying it like uh, someone from Canada would say it, sorry. Instead of saying, oh, sorry, they now respond with, that's okay, instead of, they don't just embrace the sorry. I say no worries a lot. That's, that's my thing. That must just be... Uh, Ohio thing. Yeah. Everyone drops that. Well, welcome to the Selby's Godcast. When are we going to do... How the hell are you, Can we do one of these live sometime with an audience? I try to do it at the... And beer? (laughs) That would be awesome. I I wanted to record our Q&A that we did at the subscriber event a few months ago. Unfortunately, it would have just all been fantasy baseball questions because that was (laughs) like everything that we got. It was so great at the subscriber event because we were at a... In, uh, among a panel of Browns writers as well. And I thought we were going to sit up there and just get peppered with football question after football question after football question. And I think the first, what, five questions out of the gate were all baseball-related, and like three of them were fantasy baseball-related. Yeah, this is before the four-hour Cavs Q&A. That's true. And my favorite part of the entire subscriber event that we did with The Athletic, which I hope you guys are subscribing and are part of it next year because it'll probably even be bigger and better, My favorite part is turning and looking and seeing the look on Zach Jackson and Dustin Fox's face as they sat up there and for once had the tables turned and we weren't (laughs) talking football. And it was great just to see their reaction that there were people out there that wanted to ask baseball questions. So I enjoyed it. It It was was my favorite part of the night. Like there was an alternate universe where you turned on 93.2 the fan (laughs) and there was no Browns talk. Well, there would be plenty of Indians talk coming up. On the Selby's Godcast, and of course we have news late breaking today. As you're listening, I'm sure you've heard about it by now, but Andrew Miller back to the disabled list. It's become, like, every time we get a heads up that a move is coming, you usually get that text, you know, 10, 15 minutes before it happens. Usually they'll give us a heads up that something is happening, don't always know exactly what's happening. But the sense for me every time we get one of those recently is I just assume the first thing is it's Miller. It's Miller-related. It, it, just because how difficult this road has been back for him trying to get back to full health or something close to it. Um, and all of the hurdles that he's needed to clear, and whether it was the knee, whether it was... I mean, he it seems like he's just building a pretty lengthy list. Now it's the shoulder. And it's always felt like, okay, it's going to be something. It's going to be something. Well, today it finally was something with Miller, and he's heading back to the disabled list. You know, and they the team can say that this is something that he's going to be down for four to five days, get the cortisone shot, hopefully knock out the impingement, whatever's going on with the swollen bursa sac. I can say that because this is a podcast. Um, you know, they can say that, that it, it'll be fine on the other end. They don't 
truly know, but they hope, they certainly have that hope that he's going to be fine. But because of everything he's gone through this year, I think it's tough to have that expectation that he's ever going to be 2016 Andrew Miller. Do you think that those days, the chances of us seeing as impactful as he was in that postseason are gone? Yeah, this is why I understand the sentiment after the Indians lost the 2016 World Series where a lot of fans were like, you know what? I can actually I can live with this because it was a hell of a run. No one expected this. And even though it's Game 7 disappointment, extra innings, rain delay, blew a 3-1 lead, all that, I think people were, a lot of people were at peace with it because they knew there would be more opportunities ahead. But I think this kind of reinforces the fact of Man, you have to capitalize when you have the opportunity because you never know if you're going to get that same chance again. And what's crazy is the Indians did get another good chance at it last year when they won 102 games and they were the top seed in the American League, but they blew that chance too. And now it's like, okay, well, you you, you might not ever have it as good. And I don't know that we're going to see the same Andrew Miller. I don't know that we're going to see the same Cody Allen. I don't know that we're going to see the same Corey Kluber. And so... You start to, and I don't want to make this doom and gloom and panic and the window's closing, but you, you start to, like, these things add up on top of each other. And I keep going back to the 90s, and I think back to, like, 95. It was like, all right, they were happy to be there. It was the first time in 40 years they'd made the playoffs, and they were it was the first year of being really good. Um, I think about, like, 97, it was just so weird. That was heartbreak. Like, that was, nothing clicked until the playoffs, and then... Everything was going well until you, you blew it in Game 7. But, like, 98, like, the Yankees were just historically good that year. What are you going to do? 99, like, the pitching. Like, you can point to something that was a team's downfall every year, and every time you think back to 95 and was like, huh, that maybe that was the one that you probably should have just won that year. Not like you can just pick and choose. But, but I, I come back to the same thing with this current era where it's like, there are major hurdles here and, yeah. and things that are alarming. And it makes me think, boy, are we going to be sitting here in a couple of years thinking they really, really blew it in 2016 and that was the one to get? Or 2017, like what the hell happened with Corey Kluber? Because that was their their best shot. Yeah, I think it also stresses just how freaking hard it is to win a, a World Series. You can go in thinking everything's perfect, everything is fine. And... I don't know how many teams feel that way going into the postseason this year, how many teams feel like everything is fine, everything's clicking. Yeah, that's how I sort of felt going into last year with this team because the depth was there, the pitching was set up the way they wanted it. You know, every, Everything just seemed to be right where it needed to be heading into the postseason. Can I interject really quick? Yeah. Because this relates to that. And you were saying, like, I don't know if every team feels like they're fine going into September and October. In Boston last week. Yeah. You know, David Price threw a gem. He's been dynamite since the All-Star break. The Red Sox won the last two to split that series. Boston was, I think I said on a radio show, it was like they were about to have the second tea party because just shit was burning to the ground because they had lost three straight games. It was unbelievable. How would that fix the Red Sox bullpen? I Throwing know. a bunch of tea into the harbor. Well, because <laughs> you got to get out your anger some way. Um, so, so David Price throws a gem. Like, he's been just cruising, which is critical with sail out. They're, even with the 2-2 the two and two week, and it was before they got swept by Tampa. So at the time, they were like 90-39. and 39. And I remember being in an Uber going to the airport, and people were calling in saying they, they don't trust David Price in the playoffs at all. And that 
So therefore, and they also don't like him as a person. So people, multiple callers said that they prefer when David Price pitches that the Red Sox win 10 to 9 and Price gets shelled because they don't want him to be like the number one starter in October. And they don't want him to experience success right now because they think he's a jerk. And like, I'm like, this is, you're, you might win 112 games and you guys are just so negative and so concerned about the playoffs. And, so, and it's unbelievable to me that like, we're in our own bubble. Yeah. And I understand this has been a weird, rocky year for the Indians. And, you know, you have pitchers getting hurt and guys are inconsistent. You're frustrated with Kipnis and you don't know why Yandy's not playing. And Cody Allen can't get anyone out. And, and tons of just frustration and anger and whatever. And it's like, as you alluded to, like, that is happening everywhere right now. Yeah. The Astros just won the World Series and they have so many guys injured and inconsistent that I'm sure Houston fans are just paranoid and pissed and... It's ugly everywhere. Yeah, I, I don't. I think that really struck me this year when I started to, because you're right. We get locked into seeing the same team every night. You know this team's warts more than anybody because you see it on a nightly basis. That that's why I, I half cringe, half laugh when a national whomever from a national perspective writes something about the team that you follow, and you either fall in love with what they wrote or you get really mad at what they wrote. And it's either great or not great that the team that you follow is getting the national attention. But oftentimes, that perspective that they come in with isn't... They don't have as much of it as just the local sure. guys that are on the ground every single day. And a lot of that... You know, a lot of stock gets put into the, the thoughts of a national perspective. When in reality, you know, they're following every team that's... Or at least every good team that's out there. So they can't be locked in on every single thing. They don't know every single little thing that's going on. Because we get locked into our own little bubbles we often lose sight of what everyone else is doing and i started to pay attention a little of that a little bit more it helps because at the athletic i can just pull it up on my app and i can just go through every team i have it set up where i can i have every baseball team rolling in stories and i can follow see what the yankees are doing i can see aaron judge and all of the hurdles he's trying to clear to get back and the fans are saying what are this this medical staff what the hell are they doing and it, i laugh because it sounds exactly like what we hear with what the hell are the Indians doing with Andrew Miller and Michael Brantley? And it's the same thing with, with Boston and Houston, all the injuries that Houston has. Oakland now has two guys that are injured. They, they were just on fire, look like for sure going to overtake the Astros. Now they have two big injuries in their pitching staff. And if you go over to the National League, the Indians would be one of the best teams in the National League, just with their record. So they, there's a, a number of teams over there that clearly aren't perfect. The Cubs, you know, there are all these ups and downs with the offense. And, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? It just really struck me this year that every team, if you did that with every team, every team would have their warts. Every team would have their flaws. Even the Red Sox right now, everybody's panicked about their bullpen. Yeah. What the hell are we going to do with this bullpen? And I just read something on The Athletic about that. And it's like this team is going into the playoffs and is historically good. They're doing things that not many teams have ever done going into the postseason. And yes, you can build up your record because there are a number of teams that are tanking. And I get that. And sometimes it's tough to evaluate like the Indians, what they're doing in the Central versus outside the Central. Too much stock gets put into that, I think. But if you just were to bounce around and really dig in on every single team going into the postseason, or at least into September, every single one of these teams has a flaw, has a critical problem that could cripple them come October. And I don't think any team is really immune to that. It's really just about 
you just hope your pitching performs well enough and your offense hits the clicks at the right time and that your bullpen doesn't blow it and you hold on for dear life and that's the playoffs that's how this goes yeah and that's what makes it it's sort of frustrating following this on a regular season basis because the season is so long and you when get it's wrapped more up in all these different little storylines along the way especially when the team we cover doesn't have a division race true true and, and every single night it's tough to find something to really sink your teeth into so you gravitate more toward the stuff that looks potentially alarming and there's been a number of different things that look alarming andrew miller if he's not andrew miller or even 80 percent of andrew miller or at least the guy that can just come in and get left-handers out okay that's one more thing you're going to have to worry about and it's not saying that it's not an issue but i think multiple things can be true here the indians cannot be a perfect team and i don't think they are and i wouldn't I would not be opposed to them still trying to upgrade this roster over the next couple of days leading into September. The other thing that can be true is a lot of other teams are really close and in the same boat as the Indians, where they also have flaws that they're going to head into October with that hope that they can kind of just duct tape together and holds together for a three to four week period. So I think coming back to Miller too, there's, there's potential for the Indians. Like if let's say everyone's healthy, pitching staff's fully healthy. And we've talked about this before, but if you go Kluber, Bauer, Carrasco, do you need that fourth starter? Do you want you want the fourth starter? I right? want the fourth starter. Clevenger, yeah. move Bieber to the bullpen, and you have Miller, Allen, and Hand. Like like that's it doesn't get better than that. I don't think. I think that's the best. Houston might be there, but I, I don't think Houston's bullpen is as good. I think the Indians have the potential. The ceiling is there for them to have the best pitching staff, which also, if used properly. And you have guys like Oliver Perez who can get lefties out when you need. Simber, maybe. Um, if used properly, and not only, well, now that I think about it, if four man rotation in a five game or seven game series, like you could have Clevenger in the bullpen or Carrasco in the bullpen, just a deciding game. In a certain game, yeah. So, I mean, there's so much potential there. We don't know about Bauer's status. No. And odds are he's not going to it's not like he's going to get four starts in September to ramp up. Are you sure? I'm not ruling anything out with this guy. Yeah, true. But <laughs> like chuck the boot to the corner in like the first week. Yeah, he's still got that just angry pissed off face though everywhere he goes. And I don't know if that's just like does he only do that when we're around? When there's a chance that there's a camera. No, I around? think he's I think he's pissed. You think constantly. even when we were on the road last week and he's coming into the ballpark for 9 hours a day and he's like Stretching with the trainers, you ready he's for this? like pissed off. You ready for this? I, I'm gonna make. I'm gonna take somebody's livelihood, what they're making millions of dollars, and everyone's hopes and dreams are hanging on. I'm gonna compare this to something really selfish. Imagine you're playing Hardball Dynasty, and you have a pitcher that is just having a great year. Uh, his ERA is just sparkling. Stephen Breen, let's say. Okay. Um, and then somebody blows him up for eight runs, and no, the stats no longer look good. And you're like, what the hell? All of that, just all of the personal accolades for this guy that I really loved and it was having a great year are just down the toilet. Yeah. And there's nothing I can do about it. That's kind of like Bauer. You know, he felt like everything was set up. Everything was perfect. The numbers, the, the, the narrative was, was finally there for him too. And now he just gets to watch all of this go swirling around the toilet as it's flushed away for something that's not even in his control. So I can, I can understand why he's frustrated. Does he add to that? When we're around to play a certain role, I would not be surprised because I think that he does that with almost everything. I think he always kind of amplifies what he's thinking a little bit to play a certain role. But I understand why he's scooting around the ballpark or hobbling around, always in a perpetual mood of pissed off. Okay. Well, so do we think 
the Indians seem to think Andrew Miller will be back. He just won't be able to pitch back-to-back days. He won't be able to go 35 pitches. Is that kind of where you think they're at? Yeah, I, I, I think so. And that's like... Do, do they need him to be that guy? No, Like, but... in 2016, they needed him to be that guy. Because right. they were... They had no starting two pitchers. Two and a, a, a half. I think the emphasis is going to be on the rotation, though, this, this October. I think you, you actually need six innings out of your good starters. Um, I think... I don't know. So, so what... How can they work around this, though? Because you, you're not going to know the answer here. You don't know what Bauer will be able to provide or what Miller will be able to provide probably until, like, close to the finish line. Yeah. And that's... It's frightening. Yeah. But there's nothing you can do about it. No. I mean, what do you do? You, These are the guys that brought you to this position. They're really talented. You're not going to not count on them. But don't you want to... Like, I guess... Not the, I don't think this is a silver lining, but in 2016, because Salazar and Carrasco were hurt before the end of the season, like they had bullpen days, and they got to see how that could work. And guys knew, you know, Otero knew he'd be the first guy out. Shaw knew he'd be next, and, and so on and so forth. And so Look at that Bauer game. The, the, the yeah. way that they leapt into action. They were prepared. Was, yeah, they were ready to go. But they, they probably won't be prepared this year. Does that matter? I mean, it could potentially matter. Yeah, I mean, it could. I, I think help having having a Shane Bieber type will protect against that a little bit. I mean, you, he's a complete unknown, by the way, heading into October. But he's a guy that's stretched out. That you know, in 2016, they had to turn to Ryan Merritt, who was throwing to unknown guys in Arizona because they had nobody else capable of starting games. This year, at least, they go in with guys that are a little bit more proven than that. I mean, wouldn't you wouldn't you feel better about Shane Bieber having to give you good innings in October as opposed to what you had to hope they were going to get from an unknown Ryan Merritt in 2016? Yeah. Isn't he a little bit of a wild card? Yeah, I think I mean, I if I guess my point is I'm putting everyone in bubble wrap for the next month. They cannot afford anything else. And, like, every time Carrasco has a screamer coming back at him, I mean, that's... Boy, how scary was that? Like, because it was it was loud, just the way it hit off the glove, off the leather. That thing popped, and you're like, holy shit. There is one other option. Oh, God. One other option for the bullpen. Don't they have enough sidewinders out there? They're going to bring Mariano Rivera out of retirement. <laughs> now, if this is the only way I can get you to play Metallica on this podcast, I guess it works. So they've got a kid, and I don't think this is going to happen. But at double-A, Nick Sandlin, his ERA is microscopic. They drafted him two months ago. He rose through, he started in rookie league. He's at double-A now. Sidewinder, right-hander, 21 years old. What do you think? I think they drafted him thinking that that could be... They if, did. If they, they got If they got to a position where they needed him, they thought, okay, at least this gives us one more option. You hope that you don't need it, but hey, maybe this guy could give us something. I, Say your prayers, hitters. <laughs> Dude, give us the tagline. Why are you going with Enter Sandman? Enter Sandman. Yeah, that was the whole point. Yeah, I thought exactly. they got that. I thought you Nick Sandlin, yeah. Sandman. I thought you would. Po- I thought you would point it out. Oh no. 
Uh, so I, I don't know. I <laughs> Tyler addition, Olsen's back. In addition to you, uh, and you know, you're not going to find a bigger fan of Tyler Olsen than me. Um, in addition to Sandlin, I guess the other positive, if you if you want to just look at this, because everything seems to be glass half empty all the time. If you want to look at this any sort of way, glass half full. This happens before the waiver deadline period. Like literally a couple hours before, because <laughs> players who... By the time people are listening to this, it might have passed. Players who can be traded and maintain playoff eligibility means they have to be traded by October or August 31st at, I think, 4 p.m. Mm. And so they have to be on waivers by today, like by the time we are texting yeah. or recording this. So they would either podcast. have to have already cleared, which I'm sure many... Players already have. Andrew McCutcheon, McCutcheon, McCutcheon. Can he pitch in relief? Is it more important... I'm not putting you in the GM chair. Is it now more important that they that they add to the outfield or they add to the bullpen? Yeah, I don't know. I've been asked this question a couple times. You have one thing you can do. I, I All would, things being equal, reliever or outfielder. So this is only because I'm not a believer in Melky Cabrera. But I think the Indians are. And I think his he's been a really good hitter since the All-Star break. It, it's sort of insane. I don't believe in him, and his defense scares the shit out of me. And his base running is terrible. So I would say the outfield. I would go get Andrew McCutcheon. I think he's a fine upgrade, and I think he's hilarious so i think it would be awesome to have him in the clubhouse every day um because i think in october there are ways you can work around the bull the bullpen i am if cody allen is fine which is not a guarantee if andrew miller can give you just something which is not a guarantee if trevor bauer is healthy which is not a guarantee i mean there's a lot of questions here but i think i would be hopeful that in, of those three guys maybe two of them are right and then you can you don't necessarily need four starters. Sometimes you can move a starter to the bullpen. Bieber can help. I mean, there are enough ways you can get around that. You need nine hitters in your lineup every playoff game no matter what. So I don't know if I'm comfortable with Melky being one of them. So I think I would pro- – especially if Kipnis is still str- – like that bottom third of the order is pretty brutal. And if Melky turns into a pumpkin, then it's the bottom four out of nine. And Yonder Alonzo can't seem to hit lefties. So then it's five out of nine that can't do anything. And, like, I don't know. And they're not moving around the infield. Yeah. It doesn't seem like they're trading for Josh Donaldson, who can't stay healthy. So I. the beauty is, if you were in that position, you don't have to pick. You could just do whatever you wanted. Um, and I have said I would prefer that they get an outfielder, just an, another one to add to the mix. In September, rosters expand anyways. Let it work itself out. But I don't think there's any reason not to trade for a reliever now, just to protect you, and you don't have to worry about... Like, now that the rosters are expanding for September, you don't have to worry about squeezing somebody else off the roster be, to, to make room for somebody else. You, well, you, you do, can have you all do of for these a day. You just have to get them onto the 40. Before September 1st. This is what they did with Coco Crisp. True. They got him on the 40 prior to September 1st, and then they added him to the actual active roster after September 1st. They just have to be on the 40 by the cutoff date. Right. So I, I, I don't think there's any reason not to go get... You keep saying Tyler Clippard, but, I mean, I, go, go get somebody. Go get anybody else 
just to have some for, for some protection because you said it if they have one more thing happen they can't withstand that yeah well go out and get something else that if one more thing does happen that it at least helps you possibly withstand it and then if andrew miller still can't get back on the field or can't stay on the field and he's just not an option for you you have somebody else outside of the group that you already have then let them all go out in september and then let it work itself out and then you'll go into the postseason having a plethora of options instead of guys that you're just hoping hang on no i'm with you and especially because you consider the state right now like brad hand is your only him and oliver perez are like your only reliable guys right now my Credit, but credit to Oliver Perez, who was not even signed until yeah. June 1st, um, has become an integral part of this bullpen and has been phenomenal. Yeah, but Miller's hurt. Cody Allen, you don't you want to be careful with him. You want to let him work out his mechanics. And so, and Simber is, he's been really inconsistent. And some of that is just, he comes at you from such a weird angle that you hit a blooper over Jose's head or something like that. Yeah, I think but, he's going to be the new Brian Shaw. Yeah. It's the same sort of thing with Shaw because he would get those number base hits, flares into right field, and the next thing you know, two guys are on, and he gives up a couple of rounds. People hated him. But I think you want to avoid overworking Hand and Perez. So I'm with you. Give me some depth because there's nothing at AAA. Evan Marshall maybe. But that's that's it. Yeah, I, I don't know that they have – I would I would prefer another right-handed option for them in the in the postseason yeah. just to have it, just somebody that you can trust more, or at least has more of a track record that you hopefully can trust more in case something does happen. And I just don't think it's not going to cost you a ton to go get somebody that his contract is up in a month. You you trade some, a lower level guy and see what you can get. But I mean, I just don't think there's any downside to doing that at this point. No, I'm with you. Do you want to play a game? I would love to play a game. This is the 2002. I'm glad you're not on a tricycle painted like a clown asking me this. 2002 Cleveland Indians season summary. And we are going to, oh my God, there are some names. Wait, so this was. 2002, this is the transition year. This is the transition year. This With is Ricky I've, Gutierrez, Matt Lawton got off to an 11-1 start. They had just traded Roberto Alomar. Do you remember what happened that year on July 14th? On July 14th? I don't. That's why is this podcast named what it's named? Oh, I guess somebody hit a home run off of the guy that you want to come out of retirement. <laughs> Enter Sandman. All right, there are a bunch of names on here that I have actually never heard of, which is saying something because this, you know, do you? It's we're spoiled because we've covered winning teams for the last six years now. But do you ever have like? Nightmares, you wake up with a cold sweat in the middle of the night thinking about some of the Indians' lineups from, like, September yes. of 2012. I often wake up in the middle of the night and go, is my two-year-old okay? Is my infant still breathing? And, oh, my God, they ran out Chris Magruder? <laughs> like, yeah, that's I think that's, like, Jared Head, Thomas <laughs> Neal, Vinny Rotino. Rotino Heat, man. And Manny Acta having a lie through his teeth saying, oh, we think we have a good shot to win. Like, this is the lineup that gives us the best chance. I, as Manny once said, you, it's not like buying tomato sauce at the store. You can't just go out to, to the store and go pick up a Mike Trout. All right, so I'm actually, I'm going to stick with this player, but I think I don't want to just go with the season summary because what they did in 2002 is inconsequential to their career. So I'm going to pull up their page here on Baseball Reference. And 2002. I'm just trying to picture the roster. This is a pitcher. Okay. 
Paul Rigdon. No. But do you remember his debut at Yankee Stadium? Seven scoreless innings, two hits? No. I'm sorry, I'm trying to think of the roster. The Indians drafted this guy in 1998 in the fifth round. Uh, Brian Talent. No, but he... Billy Traver. No. He pitched for the Indians in 01 briefly and in 02, and then they traded him. They traded him to the Texas Rangers. Uh, I still got nothing. Alongside... Wait, 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 wait. I think I got it. Why can't I remember his name? Righty. Do you remember who else was in the trade? Was this involving Travis Hafner? Yes. Indians acquired Hafner and Aaron Mayette. Oh, shit. The Indians dealt this guy... I mean, I, know, I already know who it is. I just can't remember his name. They dealt him and Anar Diaz. Oh, come on. Can I tell you his stats from that 2002 season when yes. he made 26 starts? Yes. In 137 innings... He allowed 176 hits. Gave up 104 runs. His whip was 1.73. Oh, this is driving me insane. His ERA was 655. I, I mean, you can list all these stats. I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his name. I don't think you do. The Oakland A's drafted him twice before the Indians finally did. Oh, man. There are so many people driving in their cars right now listening to this, was screaming it, was at Was it a guy with the same first letter and of his first name and last name? No, are you thinking of Ricardo Rodriguez? They acquired Ricardo Rodriguez from the Rangers in a different trade. That's not who this is. Can I tell you? It's going to make me really upset when you do... Sure, tell me. Ryan Drees? Drees. Wow. Yeah. He wore number 37 and 38. Ryan Drees. All right. And 57. Yeah. He's 42 years old now. He. Uh, ended Do you up... think he could pitch in relief? Well, he has not pitched in the majors since 2006. Your point? His career ERA was 531. Ooh. What about his ERA plus? Which actually wasn't that far below league average, only 12%. So, Ryan Drees to the bullpen. That's <laughs> uh, Any parting words for our listeners this week before I remind them where they could subscribe? I'm sure they already subscribed. If they're listening to this, they subscribe. That's what I have never understood. Not necessarily. I think you'd be surprised. People find us in a variety of different ways. Okay. Uh, the only parting words I have is for the hitters who must face the Indians' bullpen come October. And those words are, say your prayers. We are so going to get sued. <laughs> you know what? It is Metallica, after all. Just do not let Lars hear this. So you can subscribe to the podcast. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Spotify, Podbean, it's your favorite, Anchor, and a bunch of other different ways. And also, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, we really, really urge you to 
just click open the page, go to where you can rate the show and give us uh, five stars. We appreciate it. Remember, if you give us a five-star review, I will buy you a beer. No one has picked you up on that yet. No. That's not happening. Give us a five-star frog splash in there and uh, rate the show, too. And let us uh, give us a little review. Let people know that you enjoy the show, hate the show, whatever. But just get in there and rate it so we ha uh, rise further up the rankings. Until next week, enter Sandland. <laughs>